Bhagwan. When wolves were discovered in the village near Master Shoju's temple, Shoju entered the graveyard nightly for one week and sat in Zen. This put a stop to the wolves prowling. Overjoyed, the villagers asked him to describe the secret rites he had performed. I didn't have to resort to such things, he said, nor could I have done so. While I was in Zazen, a number of wolves gathered round me, licking the tip of my nose and sniffing my windpipe. But because I remained in the right state of mind, I wasn't bitten. As I keep preaching to you, the proper state of mind will make it possible for you to be free in life and death, invulnerable to fire and water. Even wolves are powerless against it. I simply practice what I preach. Oh, what is meditation? Is it a technique that can be practiced? Is it an effort that you have to do? Is it something which the mind can achieve? It is not. All that the mind can do cannot be meditation. It is something beyond the mind. The mind is absolutely helpless there. The mind cannot penetrate meditation. Where mind ends, meditation begins. This has to be remembered, because in our life, whatsoever we do, we do through the mind. Whatsoever we achieve, we achieve through the mind. And then, when we turn inwards, we again start thinking in terms of techniques, methods, doings. Just the whole life's experience shows us that everything can be done by the mind. Yes, except meditation. Everything can be done by the mind. Everything is done by the mind except meditation. Because meditation is not an achievement. It is already the case. It is your nature. It has not to be achieved. It has only to be recognized. It has to be only remembered. It is there waiting for you. Just a turning in, and it is available. 
you have been carrying it always and always. Meditation is your intrinsic nature. It is you, it is your being, it has nothing to do with your doings. You cannot have it, you cannot not have it. It cannot be possessed, it is not a thing. It is you, it is your being. Once you understand what meditation is, things become very clear. Otherwise you can go on groping in the dark. Meditation is a state of clarity, not a state of mind. Mind is confusion. Mind is never clear. It cannot be. Thoughts create clouds around you. They are subtle clouds. A mist is created by them and the clarity is lost. When thoughts disappear, when there are no more clouds around you, when you are in your simple beingness, clarity happens. Then you can see far away. Then you can see to the very end of existence. Then your gaze becomes penetrating to the very core of being. Meditation is clarity, absolute clarity of vision. You cannot think about it, you have to drop thinking. When I say you have to drop thinking, don't conclude in a hurry, because I have to use language. So I say, drop thinking, but if you start dropping, you will miss, because again you will reduce it to a doing. Drop thinking simply means, don't do anything, sit, let thoughts settle themselves, let mind drop on its own accord. You just sit gazing the wall in a silent corner, not doing anything at all, relaxed, loose, with no effort, not going anywhere, as if you are falling asleep awake. You are awake and you are relaxing and the whole body is falling in sleep. You remain alert inside and the whole body moves in deep relaxation. Thoughts settle on their own accord, 
you need not jump amongst them you need not try to put them right it is as if a stream has become muddy what you do do you jump in it and start helping the stream to become clear you will make it more muddy you simply sit on the bank you wait there is nothing to be done because whatsoever you will do will make the stream more muddy somebody has passed through the stream the dead leaves have surfaced the mud has arisen just patience is needed you simply sit on the bank watch indifferently the stream goes on flowing the dead leaves will be taken away and the mud cannot hang forever it will start settling after a while suddenly you will become aware the stream is crystal clear again whenever a desire passes through your mind the stream becomes muddy just sit don't try to do anything this just sitting it'll called in japanese zazen just sitting and doing nothing and one day meditation happens not that you bring it to you it comes to you and when it comes you immediately recognize it has been always there you were not looking in the right direction the treasure has been with you but you were occupied somewhere else in thoughts in desires in thousand and one things and you were not interested only in one thing and that was your own being when energy turns in what buddha calls paravritti coming back of your energy to the source suddenly clarity is attained then you can see clouds thousands miles away and then you can hear ancient music in the pines then everything is available to you before we enter this beautiful zen story few things about the mind has to be understood because the more you understand the mechanism of the mind the more is the possibility that you will not interfere the more you understand how the mind functions the more is the possibility that you will be able to sit in zazen that you will be able just to sit sitting and doing nothing that you will be able to allow meditation to happen it is a happening but the understanding of the mind will be helpful otherwise you may go on doing something 
which continues the mind to function, which goes on giving cooperation to the mind. The first thing about the mind is that it is a constant chattering. Whether you are talking or not, it goes on doing some inner talk. Whether you are awake or asleep, the inner talk continues as an undercurrent. You may be doing some work, but the inner talk continues. You are driving, or you are digging a hole in the garden, but the inner talk continues. The mind is in constant talk. If the inner talk can drop even for a single moment, you will be able to have a glimpse of no mind. That's what meditation is all about. The state of no mind is the right state. It is your state. how to come to an interval where the mind stops inner chattering. If you try, again you will miss. But there is no need to try. In fact, the interval is continuously happening. Just a little alertness is needed. Between two thoughts there is an interval. Between two words even there is a gap. Otherwise, words will run over each other. Otherwise, thoughts will overlap each other. They don't overlap. Whatsoever you say, you say, a rose is a rose is a rose. Between Two words, there is a gap, a rose. Between a and rose there is a gap, howsoever small, howsoever invisible, non-perceptible, but the gap is there, otherwise a will run over rose. Just a little alertness, just a little watchfulness, and you can see the gap. A rose is a rose, is a rose. The gap is continuously recurring. After each word, the gap is recurring. The gestalt has to be changed. Ordinarily, you look at the words. You don't look at the gaps. You look at the A, you look at the rose, but you don't look at the gap between the two. Change your attention. Have you seen children's books? There are many pictures. 
you can look the same picture in two ways. If you look, there is an old woman. If you go on looking, suddenly the picture changes and a young, beautiful woman can be seen. The same lines make both the faces, the old woman and the young woman. If you go on looking again at the young face, again it changes, because the mind cannot remain constant at anything. It is a flux. If you go on looking again at the old face, it will change to young face. One thing you will notice, that when you see the old face, you cannot see the young face, though you know it is hidden somewhere, you have known it, you have seen it. When you see the young face, the old face cannot be seen, it disappears. Though you know it is there, but you cannot see both together. They are contradictory. They cannot be seen together. When you see the figure, the background disappears. When you see the background, the figure disappears. Mind has a limited capacity to know. It cannot know the contradictory. That's why it cannot know God. God is contradictory. That's why it cannot know the innermost core of your being. It is contradictory. It comprehends all contradictions. It is paradoxical. The mind can see only one thing at a time. And the opposite is not possible at the same time. When you see the opposite, the first disappears. The mind goes on looking at the words, so it cannot see the silences that come after each word. Change the focus. Just sitting silently, start looking in the gaps. Not with effort, no need to strain. Relaxed, just easily, in a playful mood, just as a fun. No need to be religious about it. Otherwise you become serious. And once you become serious, it is very difficult to move from words to no words. It is very easy if you remain loose, flowing, non-serious, playful, as if it is just a fun. Millions of people miss meditation because meditation has taken a wrong connotation, looks very serious, looks gloomy, has something of the church in it looks as if it is only for people who are either dead or almost dead. Gloomy, long faces, serious, has lost festivity, fun, playfulness, celebration. Those are the qualities of meditation. A really meditative, meditative person is playful. Life is fun for him. 
A life is lila, a play. He enjoys it tremendously. He is not serious. He is relaxed. Sit silently, relaxed, loose. Just allow your attention to flow towards the gaps. Slip from the edges of words into intervals. Let intervals become more prominent and words allow them to fade away. Just as if you are seeing a blackboard and I put a small white dot on it. You can see either the dot, then the blackboard goes far away. You can see the blackboard, then the dot becomes secondary, a shadow phenomenon. You can go on changing your attention between the figure and the background. Words are figures. Silence is the background. Words come and go, silence remains. When you were born, you were born as a silence. Just intervals and intervals, gaps and gaps, infinite emptiness you had come with unbounded emptiness you had brought with you in life. Then you started collecting words. That's why if you go back in your memory, if you try to remember, you cannot go beyond the age four. Because beyond the age four, you were almost empty. Words started collecting in your memory after the age four. Memory can function only where words function. Emptiness leaves no trace on you. That's why when you go back and you try to remember, you can remember at the most the age four. Or if you have been too much intelligent, then at the age three your remembrance can go back. But there comes a point where suddenly there is no memory. Up to that time you were an emptiness, pure virgin, uncorrupted by words. You were pure sky. The day you will die, Again, your words will drop and scatter. You will move into another world or another life, again with your emptiness. Emptiness is yourself. I have heard Sankara used to tell this story of a couple who kept asking his master about the nature of the ultimate self. Each time the question came 
the master would turn a deaf ear. Until finally he turned on his pupil one day and said, I am teaching you, but you do not follow. The Self is silence. Mind means words, Self means silence. Mind is nothing but all the words that you have accumulated. Silence is that which has been always with you. It is not an accumulation. That is the meaning of Self. It is your intrinsic quality. On the background of silence you go on accumulating words. The words as total are known as the mind. Silence is meditation. It is a question of changing the gestalt, sifting of attention from words into silence. It is always there. Each word is like a precipice. You can take the jump into the valley of silence. From each word you can slip into silence. That is the use of a mantra. Mantra means repeating a single word again and again and again. When you repeat a single word again, again and again, you are bored with that word, because the novelty is lost. You are fed up with that word. You want to get rid of that word. It helps. It helps you to get rid. Now you can slip more easily into silence. The silence is always there by the corner. You go on repeating Ram, Ram, Ram. How long you can repeat it? Sooner or later you feel fed up, bored. The use of a mantra is to create such boredom that you want to get rid of it. That state is beautiful when you want to get rid of it. Because then there is no other way than to slip into silence. Leave the word behind and move into the gap. Use the word as a jumping board and jump into the abyss. If words change as they change ordinarily, of course you are never fed up. A new word is always attractive. A new idea is always attractive, a new dream, a new desire is always attractive. But if you can see that the mind is simply repeating the same thing again, 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 either you fall asleep or you jump into silence. These two are the possibilities. I know more or less people who chant mantras fall into a sleep. 
That too is a possibility. And we have known it for centuries. Mothers know it well. When a child is not falling asleep, they do a mantra. They call it lullaby. Just few, two, three words and they repeat in a monotonous tone. And the child starts feeling sleepy. You go on repeating and the child is bored and he cannot escape and he cannot go anywhere. So the only escape is into sleep. He says, go on repeating, I am going to sleep. He falls asleep. Many chanters of mantra fall asleep. Hence the use of transcendental meditation for people who suffer from sleeplessness. Hence its appeal in America. Insomnia has become a normal thing. The more insomnia will be there, the more there will be an appeal of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Because people need some tranquilizers. Mantra is a perfect tranquilizer. But that is not the real use of a mantra. It, nothing wrong in it. If it gives you good sleep, good. But that is not the real use. It is as if you are using an aeroplane like a bullock cart. You can use it. You can put the aeroplane behind bullocks and use it as a bullock cart. But nothing wrong in it. It will serve a little purpose. But that is not its use. You can soar very high. A mantra has to be used with full awareness that this is to create boredom and you are to remember that don't fall asleep. Otherwise you miss. Don't fall asleep. And go on repeating the mantra and don't allow yourself to fall into sleep. So it is better if you repeat the mantra standing or you can repeat the mantra walking so that you don't fall asleep. One of the great disciples of Gurdjieff, P.D. Ospensky, was dying and the doctors told him to rest and he will not rest and he continued walking the whole night. They thought he has gone crazy. He is dying. His energy is disappearing. And what he is doing, this is the time to rest. He will die sooner if he goes walking. But he will not. Somebody asked, what are you doing? He said, I would like to die alert, awake. I don't want to die asleep. Otherwise, I will miss the beauty of death. And he died walking. That is the way to do a mantra. Walk. If you go to Buddha Gaya, where Gautam Buddha attained to enlightenment, near the Bodhi tree, 
you will find a small path. On that path Buddha walked continuously. For one hour he will meditate under the tree and then for one hour he will walk. Why? His disciples asked. He will say, because if I sit too much under the tree then sleepiness starts coming. The moment sleepiness starts coming, one has to walk. Because then you will slip into sleep and the whole mantra is last. The mantra is to create boredom. The mantra is to create a fed-upness so that you can jump into the abyss. But if you move into sleep, the abyss is missed. All Buddhist meditations are alternate. You do them sitting, by the time you feel drowsiness is settling, immediately get up and start doing them walking. The moment you see now the sleepiness has disappeared, sit again, do again. If you go on doing this, a moment comes, suddenly you slip out of the words, just like a snake who slips out of his old skin. And it happens very naturally. There is no effort in it. So the first thing about mind to remember is, it is a constant chattering. That chattering keeps it alive. That chattering is a food for it. Without that chattering the mind cannot continue. So drop out of the clutches of the mind, that is, drop out of inner chattering. You can do this by forcing yourself, but then again you miss. You can force yourself not to talk inside, just as you can force yourself not to talk outside. You can keep forced silence. In the beginning it is difficult. But you can go on insisting and you can force the mind not to talk. It is possible. If you go to the Himalayas, you will find many people who have attained to it. But you will find on their faces dullness, not intelligence. The mind is not transcended. It has been simply dulled. They have not moved into alive silence. They have simply forced the mind and controlled it. It is as if a child has been forced to sit in the corner and not to move. Watch him. He feels restless but he goes on controlling himself, afraid otherwise he will be punished. He represses his energy. If this goes on for long as it goes, 
in his school's children are sitting for six, five, six hours. By and by they are dulled, their intelligence is lost. Every child is born intelligent and almost 99% people die stupid. The whole education dulls the mind. You can do the same for yourself. You will find religious people almost stupid. You may not see because of your ideas about them. Otherwise, if you have open eyes, go and look at your sannyasins. You will find them stupid, idiotic. You will not find any sign of intelligence, creativity. India has suffered too much because of these people. They have created such an uncreative state that India has lived at the minimum. Paralysis is not meditation. It happened in a church. The priest announced, let all you husbands who have troubles on your minds stand up. Shouted the preacher at the revival. Every man in the church rose to his feet except one. Ah, exclaimed the preacher, you are one in a million. It is not that. I cannot get up, said the man, I am paralyzed. <coughs> Paralysis is not meditation. Paralysis is not healthy. You can paralyze the mind. There are millions of tricks available to paralyze it. People lie down on the bed of thorns. If you continuously lie down on a bed of thorns, your body becomes insensitive. It is not a miracle. You are simply desensitizing your body. The body loses aliveness. Then there is no problem. It is not a bed of thorns for you at all. You may by and by start even feeling comfortable. In fact, if you are given a good comfortable bed, you will not be able to sleep on it. This is paralyzing the body. Same are methods for the mind to paralyze. You can fast. The mind goes on saying that the body is hungry, but you don't supply, you don't listen to the mind. By and by, the mind becomes dull. The body goes on feeling hunger, but the mind does not report, because what is the point? There is nobody to listen, there is nobody to respond. Then a certain paralysis happens in the mind. Many people who go on for long fasts think they have attained meditation. It is not meditation. It is just low energy.
paralysis, insensitivity. They are moving like dead corpses. They are not alive. Remember, meditation will bring you more and more intelligence, infinite intelligence, a radiant intelligence. Meditation will make you more alive and sensitive. Your life will become more richer. Look at the ascetics, their life has become almost as if it is not life. These people are not meditators, they may be messages, torturing themselves and enjoying the torture. The mind is very cunning. It goes on doing things and rationalizing them. Ordinarily, you are violent towards others, but mind is very cunning. It can learn non-violence, it can preach non-violence, and then it becomes violent towards oneself. And then the violence that you do on your own self is respected by people, because they have an idea that to be an ascetic is to be religious, that is sheer nonsense. God is not an ascetic, otherwise there will be no flowers, there will be no green trees, only deserts. God is not an ascetic, otherwise there will be no song in life, no dance in life, only symmetries and symmetries. God is not an ascetic. God enjoys life. God is more Epicurean than you can imagine. If you think about God, think in terms of Epicurus. God is a constant search for more and more happiness, joy, ecstasy. Remember that, mind is very cunning. It can rationalize paralysis as meditation. It can rationalize dullness as transcendence. It can rationalize deadness as renunciation. Watch out. Always remember that if you are moving in the right direction, 
you will go on flowering much fragrance will come out of you and you will be creative and you will be sensitive to life to love and to everything that god makes available to you have a very penetrating eye inside your mind what are its motivations you do something immediately look for the motivation if you miss the motivation and the mind goes on befooling you and goes on saying that something else was the motivation for example you come home angry and you beat your child the mind will say it is just for his own sake to make him behave this is rationalization go deeper you were angry you wanted somebody with whom you can be angry you could not be angry with the boss in the office he is too much strong for that and it is risky and economically dangerous you needed somebody helpless now this child is perfectly helpless depends on you cannot react cannot do anything cannot pay you in the same coin now you cannot find a more perfect victim look are you angry if you are angry then the mind is befooling you the mind goes on befooling you 24 hours and you cooperate with it and then in the end you are in misery you land in hell watch every moment for the right motivation if you can find the right motivation the mind will become more and more incapable in deceiving you and the more you are out of deception the more you will be capable to move beyond mind the more you will become a master i have heard one scientist was saying to his friend i don't see why you insisted that your wife wear a chastity belt while we were away at the convention after all all between us as old buddies with emma's face and figure who would i know i know replied the others but when i get back home i can always say i lost the key look watch for the unconscious motivation the mind goes on bullying you bossing you because you are not capable to see its real motivations 
once a person becomes capable to see real motivations meditation is very close because then the grip of the mind is no more on you the mind is a mechanism it has no intelligence the mind is a biocomputer how can it have any intelligence it has a skill but it has no intelligence it has a functional utility but it has no awareness it is a robot it works well but don't listen too much to it because then you will lose your inner intelligence as if you are asking a machine to guide you to lead you you are asking a machine which has nothing original in it cannot have not a single thought in the mind is ever original it is always a repetition watch whenever mind says something look he is again putting you into a routine try to do something new and the grip of the mind will be less on you people who are in some way creative are always easily transformable towards meditation people who are uncreative in their life are the most difficult if you live a repetitive life then the mind has too much control over you you cannot move away from it you are afraid do something new every day don't listen to the old routine in fact if the mind says something tell to the mind that this we have been doing always now let me do something else even in small changes the way you have always behaving with your wife just in small changes the way you always walk just in small changes the way you always talk in small changes and you will find the grip of the mind is losing on you you are becoming a little freer creative persons get deeper into meditation and more easily poets painters musicians dancers can get into meditation more easily than businessmen they live a routine life absolutely uncreative
I have heard about a father who was giving advice to his son. The father, a noted playboy in his younger days, was discussing his son's forthcoming marriage. My boy, he said, I have got just two pieces of advice to give you. Make it a point to reserve the right to one night a week out with the boys. He passed. His son asked for the second piece of advice. Then he said, don't waste it on the boys. His own routine, his own ways he is transferring to his son. Your old mind goes on giving advices to your present consciousness, the father giving advice to the son. Each moment you are new, reborn. The consciousness is never old. The consciousness is always the son and the mind is always the father. The mind is never new and the consciousness is never old and the mind goes on advising the son. He will create the same pattern in the sun. Then the sun will repeat the same thing. You have lived in a certain way up to now. Don't you want to live in a different way? You have thought in a certain way up to now. Don't you want some new glimpses in your being? then be alert and don't listen to the mind. Mind is your past, constantly trying to control your present and your future. It is the dead past which goes on controlling the alive present. Just become alert of it. But what is the way how the mind goes on doing it. The mind does it with a method. And the method is, the mind says, if you don't listen to me, you will not be so much efficient as I am. If you do an old thing, you can be more efficient. You have done it before. If you do a new thing, you cannot be so much efficient. The mind goes on talking like an economist, efficiency expert. It goes on saying, this is more easier to do. Why go the hard way? This is the way of least resistance. Remember, whenever you have two things, two alternatives, choose the new one. Choose the harder. Choose the one in which more awareness will be needed. At the cost of efficiency, always choose awareness and you will create the situation in which meditation will become possible. These are all just situations, meditation will happen. I am not saying that by doing these you will get to meditation, but these will be helpful. They will create 
the necessary situation in you without which meditation cannot happen. Be less efficient but more creative. Let that be the motto. Don't be bothered too much about utilitarian ends. Rather, constantly remember that you are not here in life to become a commodity. You are not here to become an utility that is below dignity. You are not here just to become more and more efficient. You are here to become more and more alive. You are here to become more and more intelligent. You are here to become more and more happy, ecstatically happy. But then that is totally different from the ways of the mind. A woman received a report from the school. Your little boy is very intelligent, said the teacher's note accompanying a report card, but he spends entirely too much time playing with the girls. However, I am working on a plan to break him out of the habit. The mother signed the report and sent it back with this note, let me know if it works and I will try it out on his father. <laughs> People are constantly searching for cues to control others. Cues which can give you more profit, profitable cues. If you are after cues how to control others, you will be in the control of the mind always. Forget about controlling anybody. Once you drop the idea of controlling others, husband or wife, son or father, friend or foe, once you drop the idea of controlling others, the mind cannot have the same grip on you because it becomes useless. It is useful in controlling the world. It is useful in controlling the society. A politician cannot meditate. Impossible. Even more impossible than it is for a businessman. Politician is at the very other end. He cannot meditate. Sometimes politicians come to me and they ask, because they are interested in meditation, not exactly in meditation, they are too much tense and they want a certain relaxation. They come to me and they ask, can I help them? Because they are too tense, their work is such an constant conflict, leg pulling, retress, race, continuous 
something so that they can have a little peace. I tell them that is impossible. You cannot meditate. The ambitious mind cannot meditate. Because the basic foundation of meditation is to be non-ambitious. Ambition means the effort to control others. That is what politics is, the effort to control the whole world. If you want to control others, you will have to listen to the mind. Because mind enjoys violence very much. And you cannot try new things, they are too risky. You have to try the old things again and again. If you listen to the lessons of history, they are amazing. In 1917, Russia went through a great revolution, one of the greatest in history. But somehow the revolution failed. When communists came in power, they became almost like the Tsars, worse even. Stalin proved more terrible than the Peter the Terrible. He killed millions of people. What happened? Once they came in power, to do something new was too much risky. It may not work. It has never worked before, so who knows? Try the old methods which have always been useful. They had to learn from the Tsars. Every revolution fails, because once a certain group of politicians comes in power, it has to try the same methods. The mind is never for the new, it is always for the old. If you want to control others, you will not be able to meditate. About that one point, be absolutely certain. The mind lives in a sort of sleep. It lives in a sort of unconscious state. You become conscious only very rarely. If your life is in tremendous danger, you become conscious, otherwise you are not conscious. The mind goes on moving, is sleepy, stand by the side of the road and watch people. You will see on their faces shadows of dreams, somebody talking to himself, making gestures. If you look at them, you will be able to see that they are somewhere else, not here on the road. As if people are moving in deep sleep. Somnambulism is the state of ordinary mind.
If you want to become a meditator, you have to drop this sleepy habit of doing things. Walk, but be alert. Dig a hole, but be alert. Eat, but while eating don't do anything, just eat. Each bite should be taken in deep alertness. Chew it with alertness. Don't allow yourself to run all over the world. Be here now. Whenever you catch your mind going somewhere else, and it is always going somewhere else, it never wants to be here. Because if the mind is here, it is no more needed. Right in the present there is no need for the mind. Consciousness is enough. The mind is needed only there, somewhere else, in the future, in the past, but never here. So whenever you become alert that the mind is gone somewhere else, you are in Pune and the mind has gone to Philadelphia. Immediately become alert, give yourself a jerk, come back home. Come to the point where you are, eating, eat, walking, walk. Don't allow this mind to go all over the world. Not that this will become meditation, but this will create a situation. The party was in full gear. And one man decided to call up a friend and invite him to join the fun. He dialed the wrong number and apologized to the sleepy voice that answered. On the next try he got the same voice. I am terribly sorry, he said. I dialed very carefully, can't understand how I got the wrong number. Neither can I, said the sleepy voice, especially since I have no phone. People are living almost asleep. They have learned tricks how to do without disturbing their sleep. If you become a little alert, you will catch yourself many times red-handed, doing things that you never wanted to do. doing things that you are going to repent, you know, doing things that you have decided just the other day never to do again. And you say many times that I did it, but I don't know how it happened. It happened in spite of me. How something can happen in spite of you? It is possible only if you are asleep. And you go on saying that I never wanted it. But somewhere deep down you must have wanted it. Just the other day, Paritos has sent me a beautiful joke. One of the rare ones, a jewel, 
of the finest water. Listen to it carefully. It was after the last war and a journalist was interviewing the reverend mother of a convent in Europe. Tell me, said the journalist, what happened to you and your nuns during those terrible years? How did you survive? Well, first of all, said the reverend mother, the Germans invaded our country, seized the convent, raped all the nuns, except sister Anastasia, took our food and left. Then came the Russians. Again they seized the convent, raped all the nuns, except sister Anastasia, took our food and left. Then again the Russians were driven out, and the Germans came back again, seized the convent, raped all the nuns, except sister Anastasia, took our food and left. The journalist made the required sympathetic noises, but was curious about Sister Anastasia. <laughs> Who is this Sister Anastasia? he asked. Why did she escape these terrible happenings? Ah, well, replied the Reverend Mother, Sister Anastasia does not like that kind of a thing. <laughs> Even rape! is your desire. That too happens because you want it. It may look too much of the extreme, but psychoanalysts say it is so. And I also observe it is so. Without your cooperation even rape is not possible. a deep desire somewhere of being raped is hidden. In fact, it is very rare to find a woman who has not fantasized herself being raped, has not dreamed herself being raped. Deep down, Rape shows that you are beautiful, desired, desired widely. It is said, it is a historical fact, that one of the most beautiful women of Egypt died she was raped in her mummy, the dead body. If the spirit of that woman knew about it, she must feel tremendously happy. Just think, a dead body being raped. You may deny. Just few days before a woman came, she was raped in Kabul. She was telling her holy story with such relish that I said to her that you must have been 
cooperating. She said, what are you saying? She felt hurt. I said, don't feel hurt. The way you are enjoying the whole story, I said, close your eyes and be true, at least once, be true to me. Have you enjoyed it? She said, what are you saying? Rape and me enjoying? I am a Catholic Christian. <laughs> said, still you close your eyes, it makes no difference whether you are Catholic, Hindu or Buddhist, just close your eyes. Still you are a woman and meditate. She relaxed. She was a really sincere woman. Her face changed. She opened her eyes and she said, I think you are right. I enjoyed it. But please don't say it to anybody. <laughs> And my husband is going to come to see you soon. Never mention it. Just watch your mind. On the surface it says something. Deep down, simultaneously it is planning for something else. Be a little more alert and don't move in sleep. The nagging old lady had been in bed for a week on doctor's orders. Nothing suited her. She complained about the weather, the medicine and especially her husband's cooking. One day after taking in her breakfast tray and cleaning up the kitchen, the old man sat down in his den she heard the scratching of his pen. What are you doing now? she called, writing a letter. Who are you writing to? Cousin N. What are you writing her about? I am telling her you are sick, but the doctors say you will be okay soon and there is no danger. And then after a small pause he asked, How do you spell symmetry? With a C or with a S? <laughs> On the surface one thing. <laughs> Deep down something exactly the opposite. He is hoping against hope. He is hoping against doctors. On the surface he will go on saying that she is going to be okay again soon. And deep down he is hoping that somehow if she dies, he will not accept the fact even to himself. That's how you go on hiding from yourself. Stop these tricks. Be sincere with your mind and the grip of the mind will be lost over you. Now, this is small anecdote. When wolves were discovered in the village near Master Soju's temple, Soju entered the graveyard nightly for one week and sat in Zain. 
This put a stop to the wolves probably. Overjoyed, the villagers asked him, describe the secret rites he had performed. I didn't have to resort to such things, he said, nor could I have done so. While I was in Zazen, a number of wolves gathered around me, licking the tip of my nose and sniffing my windpipe, but because I remained in the right state of mind, I was not bitten. As I keep preaching to you, the proper state of mind will make it possible for you to be free in life and death, invulnerable to fire and water. Even wolves are powerless against it. I simply practice what I preach. A simple story, but very meaningful. The Master simply went to the graveyard, sat there for one week, not doing anything. not even praying, not even meditating. He simply sat there in meditation, not meditating, just in meditation. He simply sat there. That is the meaning of the word zazen. It is one of the most beautiful words to be used for meditation. It simply means just sitting, doing nothing. Za means sitting. He simply sat there. And this sitting, when the mind is not there, and thoughts are not there, and there is no stirring, and the consciousness is like a cool pool of water with no ripples, is the right state. Miracles happen on their own accord. The Master said, while I was in Zazen, a number of wolves gathered around me licking the tip of my nose and sniffing my windpipe. But because I remained in the right state of mind, I was not bitten. A very fundamental law of life is that if you become afraid, you give energy to the other to make you more afraid. The very idea of fear in you creates the opposite idea in the others. Each thought has a negative and positive polarity, just like electricity. If you have the negative pole, on the other side the positive pole is created. It is automatic. If you are afraid, the other immediately feels a desire arising in him to oppress you, to torture you. If you are not afraid, the desire in the other simply disappears. And it is not only with men, it is even with wolves so. With animals also the same. 
If you can remain in the right state, that is undistracted, silent, just a witness to everything, whatsoever is happening, with no idea arising in you, then no idea will arise in others around you. There is an old Indian story. In the Hindu heaven, there is a tree called Kalpataru. It means the wish-fulfilling tree. A traveller by accident reached there. He was tired, so he sat under the tree, and he was hungry, so he thought, if somebody was there, somebody was here, I would ask for food, but there seems to be nobody. Suddenly, the moment the idea of food appeared in his mind, food appeared. He was so hungry, he didn't bother to think about it, he ate it. Then he started feeling sleepy, and he thought if a bed was there, and the bed appeared. Lying down on the bed, the thought arose in him, what is happening? I don't see anybody here. The food has come, the bed has come. Maybe there are ghosts doing things to me. Suddenly ghosts appeared. <laughs> then he became afraid and he, he thought, now they will kill me, and they killed him. In life, the same is the law. If you think of ghosts, they are bound to appear. Think and you will see. If you think of enemies, you will create. If you think of friends, they will appear. If you love, love appears all around you. If you hate, hate appears. Whatsoever you go on thinking is being fulfilled by a certain law. If you don't think anything, then nothing happens to you. The Master simply sat there in the graveyard. The wolves came, but finding nobody there, they sniffed, they must have sniffed whether this man is thinking or not. They circled around, they watched, but there is nobody, just emptiness. What to do with emptiness? And this emptiness, and this silence, and this bliss, you cannot destroy it. Not even wolves are that bad. They felt the sacredness of this emptiness. They disappeared. The villagers thought that this man has done some secret rites. The Master said, I have not done anything, nor could I have done so. I simply sat there and everything changed. This anecdote 
is a parable. If you sit in this world silently, if you live silently as a alive nothingness, the world will become a paradise, the wolves will disappear. There is no need to do anything else, just the right state of your consciousness and everything is done. There are two laws, one law is of the mind, With the law of the mind you go on creating hell around you. Even friends become foes, lovers prove enemies. Flowers become thorns. Life becomes a burden. One simply suffers life with the law of mind. You live in hell wherever you live. If you slip out of the mind, you have slipped out of that law. Suddenly, you live in a totally different world. That different world is Nirvana. That different world is God. Then without doing, everything starts happening. So let me say it in this world, in this way, if you want to do, you will live in the ego and the wolves will surround you and you will be constantly in trouble. If you drop the ego, if you drop the idea of being a doer and you simply relax into life, if you are in a let go, you are again back into the world of God back into the garden of Eden. Adam has come back home. Then things happen. The Christian story says there was no need for Adam to do anything in the garden of Eden. Everything was just available. But then he fell from his grace. He was thrown out. He became knowledgeable. He became an egoist. Since then, humanity has been suffering. And each person has to come back to the Garden of Eden again. The doors are not closed. Knock and they shall be opened unto you. Ask and it shall be given back. But one has to turn back. The path is from doing towards happening, from the ego towards no ego, from mind to no mind. No mind is what meditation is all about. Enough for today.